Well, God is ruling and reigning, and he's never going to stop ruling and reigning. And last week, he had the keys of death and hell in his hands. And this week, he has the keys of death and of hell in his hands. He said, I am he that was dead and am alive. And behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and of hell. He's got those keys. Jesus has those keys. The enemy, don't, enemy has no keys. In fact, depending on your rendering of the scripture, the enemy is completely and utterly defeated, restricted, has been stripped of all power, and the only power he has is what you give him with your voice if you dare to do so. And we ain't going to do that not here. Not here. Not here. So I want to talk to you. I thought actually completely finished an outline this morning because I like to do uh, my, uh, the, the final outline of what the Lord's been speaking to me. And then I thought he changed it. So then I outlined something completely else, nine more pages. And the Lord said, no, go back. You know, not that he gave it to me, but I was back to this. And it's this, see the kingdom. That's what I want to talk about. You talk a whole lot about the kingdom. I get it from Jesus. That's what he did. I figure if it was good enough for the one that started it, the, the prototype, it might as well be good, good enough for us. Because we have got to change our perspective. If we don't change our perspective, then things will happen to us. If we change our perspective, we're going to see that things are really happening through us. Amen. So for the la- I'm, I'm going to read some notes I want to read, get to you. For the last few weeks, I've spoken from the subject, the kingdom. My process is normally to spend time with the Father throughout the week, see what he drops into my spirit, especially if it's a theme, and then I'll study that. I'll sit in contemplation prayer for that, and then just sometimes just meditation. And then um, uh, Friday night as I was awakened, the Greek word basileia was in my, it, again and again and again and again repeated in my brain. I told Elizabeth, I said, this is weird. She said, did you know that word before? You know, that's weird the Lord speak to you this way. Um, you've heard me say, Bessalee, it's the word for kingdom in the Greek, and it was being whispered in my ear. You've heard me say that this is what it means. The royalty, the rule, the realm, and the reign. That's li- if you look it up, if you, pull out your, uh, if you pull out your trusty old Strong's Concordance and flip it over, and you're going to find out that when you read the word kingdom, and every time you read the word kingdom in the Greek, it is, tr- it is transliterated this. The royalty, the rule... The realm and the reign of God. That's what it is, the kingdom of God. This is what Jesus preached. In fact, this was the gospel that Jesus preached. Did you know Jesus didn't preach, and I'm for this, don't, don't mishear me. Let me finish my statement before you judge me. He didn't preach the gospel of salvation. He preached the gospel of the kingdom. He preached the gospel of the kingdom, and the entrance into that kingdom is through salvation. I'm for salvation, obviously. Amen, amen. Uh, it appears 109 times in, the, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But the word ecclesia, which we translate to church, Jesus only said it three times. Remember when he said, he, said, uh, he told Peter, first of all, it's funny, Jesus, Jesus was funny the way he treated people. He looked at Peter one time and called him Satan. Did you know that? This is when Jesus says, hey, boys, in a few days, I'm going to go be crucified. And Peter's like, no, you're not. I'll fight for you. I'll fight for you. You know, you're not be not me. You know, Jesus looked at him and said, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> His best friend. I'd have been like, dude, Satan? Because Satan means the accuser, the adversary. You calling me enemy? Man, I've, done been, I've been here laying around on these rocks, sleeping without even a bedspread for three and a half years, listening to you. I gave up everything. That boat I had and that fishing license I had that, or that fishing business I had, I gave it all up. You calling me Satan? And then within just a few breaths, he would say, he would say, so who do men say that I am? And a couple of his disciples said, well, some say you're Elijah. You know, you got to be Elijah because Elijah was considered one of the greater prophets, and he was, of the Old Testament, probably because Elijah was one that never tasted of death. The Bible says that, uh, that, that he was carried up in a whirlwind, a chariot of fire. 
Some say you're Elijah. And Jesus is like, man, they thought they were going to impress him. They really did. Oh, you know what? Jesus, they say you're Elijah. Like, that's the cool. That's the ultimate. The penultimate of everything is to be compared to Elijah. Some say you're this one. And Jesus said, I didn't ask you what some say. Who do you say that I am? And the, and, the, and the key was, this is not what I'm preaching about. The key was, it doesn't matter if you can parrot what somebody else says he is. The power comes in what you know for yourself that he is. And Peter said, I say that you are the Christ, the Son of the living. And Jesus said, uh, blessed art, you, art thou, the King James, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood have not revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. And he said, and, and, he said, and I call you... Peter the rock, which really is Peter the little pebble. And upon this rock, I will build my, that's what it means, little pebble. Upon this rock, I will build my church. Jesus did not build his church on Peter. Jesus built his church on the rock, the foundational principle of knowing, of hearing the voice of the Father speaking about the Son. Delivered by his Spirit. That's, that's, what, that's what he was saying. Upon this rock, upon the ability to hear and believe. I've told parents for years and years when I finally learned the most important paramount above anything else you ever teach your children is to hear and trust the voice of the Lord within themselves. It's the most powerful thing you'll ever teach your child to do. And when they learn to do that, nobody will ever be able to take that away from them. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. Anyway, so Jesus... He, he does say it right there. He's talking about the church. And upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will what? Did it say that there would not be an attack? I'll also said this before. When, the, when I did this little study, the gates of hell will not prevail. The gates of hell will not prevail. Gates only swing. They don't move independently of a, of a stationary post. The purpose of a gate is to allow something in and to allow something out. Essentially, the purpose of a gate is to keep something out. More than to let something in. It's to keep something out. And Jesus said, Jesus said, and the gates of hell shall not prevail. If you think about this with the right perspective, it's not about the gates of hell attacking us. Gates don't attack. And the gates of hell shall not prevail. And the purpose of a gate is to keep something out, which is to say, maybe the mandate of the church is to swing wide the gates into hell to go in and clean that place out. Maybe that was the mandate of the church in the first place. The gates of hell will not prevail. That's not what I want to preach this morning. Anyway, in the four Gospels, you've got, um, you've got Basileia 109 times, uh, Ecclesia by Jesus three times. If Jesus spoke about it, about it frequently, isn't it odd that today we don't speak about the kingdom much? You don't hear a lot of preaching about the kingdom. There's some. There's some who's not. Yet the concept may be so foreign or abstract that we don't even know what it really means. We're not, we don't live in a kingdom. We live in a democratic republic, a representative republic, a democracy. At least that's, I think that's what we're supposed to be living. I'm not really sure we live in that anymore, but that's, the, that's at least the mirage. That's, what we're supposed, that's the way we were founded. That's what we should be. It's hard for people that live in 2020 to understand uh, the principle. But it wasn't hard for people that lived in Jesus' age because he lived and taught people in the age where there were kingdoms and empires and dominions. So what is the kingdom of God? A kingdom is simply the area where a certain king reigns. The kingdom of God is where he rules. The better, a better question is, is there a place where he doesn't rule? Is there a place where he doesn't rule? No. A little bit of teaching mixed in with a little bit of preaching, so just catch what you can catch. The kingdom of God is where he rules and where his will is fulfilled. It's where, his, where he is rightly seen as the one on the throne giving protection and provision. Say protection and provision. It is his obligation to give the citizens of his kingdom protection and provision. 
Did you know the citizens of, the, of any kingdom, our earthly kingdom, only did as well as the monarchy did? If, if, if it was a benevolent monarchy that did really well, then the citizens of the kingdom did really well. And it was not only the, the responsibility, but the obligation of the sovereign to make sure that everyone in their kingdom was well taken care of. It still is. And we got a good, good father. Not just king, not just Lord, father. It's where God's priorities are made the priority. I'm talking about the kingdom of God. Not just church. Not just church. The kingdom of It's where his priorities are the priority. The kingdom is the emerging order of God in the affairs of humankind. That's the way Jack Taylor says it. If you want to hear anything about the kingdom, I would say either him or Miles Monroe. They're good, really good. But Jack Taylor says the kingdom is the emerging order of God in the affairs of humankind. In our current political which seems to be our dominant social climate, especially today, we must be rooted in the reality of the kingdom of God. It has come, it is coming, and it will come. In Western Christianity, we we tend to focus on a kingdom that is just coming. But Jesus looked at his contemporaries and said, boys, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Or he would look and say, hey, boys, the kingdom of heaven is within you. He said, the kingdom of God comes not with observation, as you suppose. But the kingdom of God is within you. Now, in Matthew, it's, it's said the kingdom of heaven again and again and again. And that's because in Matthew, it's essentially almost completely and entirely written to Israelites, Jewish people, and they didn't dare speak the name of God. So instead of using the, 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 the phrase kingdom of God, he would use the kingdom of heaven. But it is one in the same kingdom. Some people try to preach there's a different kingdom of God. Different no, the kingdom of heaven is the kingdom of God, is the kingdom of heaven, is the kingdom of God. It's his domain. It has come, it is coming, it will come. Jesus looked at his contemporaries and said, look, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The truth is the kingdom is around us and it is within us. It is before, it's during, and it's after. It is timeless and yet it envelops all time. Listen, it is as our awareness of this kingdom increases... Not the kingdom increasing, but our awareness of the kingdom that we begin to see its manifestation in our lives. I'm going to help you today. I'm going to help you to see the kingdom. You want to see the kingdom? Anybody want to see the kingdom? Anybody? Well, the A.W. that want to see it, I'm going to help you see it this morning. Just kidding. We will see it in our culture when we look for it. We will see its manifestation in our lives when we look for it. One of the most beautiful truths within the love story God is writing is that he invites us into an active role in reestablishing his order and making his kingdom reality. Listen, as kingdom dwellers, we have the authority and charge to expand the area over which God rules and his will is fulfilled. He doesn't want us to wait to go to heaven, but to join Jesus as citizens of heaven in bringing heaven to earth in every aspect of the world, business and politics and education and finance, The transformation occurs first within us. Everybody say seed. Please, please. Listen, the transformation starts first within us. Say seed. Seed. And then around us, say garden. And then igniting the, the, the world, say the whole earth. So it starts in me. And then it expands to the garden around me. And then ultimately, I mean, it's like ivy. It's like a, it's like a, a crawling ground covering. 
You know, once it starts, you can't stop it. When, you, when it's first planted, no one sees it. And no one probably would know that it's there or notice it or believe it. But once it sprouts up, then it's noticeable, but it still has to do anything. Ultimately, that thing's going to take over. It's, it's like tomato plants at our house. We have this thing with tomato plants at our house. How many people like tomatoes? I'm talking the little ones. What do they call them? Cherry tomatoes? I love them. I really do. Except now I'm mad at them. I'm mad at these things. I'm going to tell you, you know what? You can have them. You make tomato sauce. This man right here makes uh, uh, tomato sauces and all kinds of stuff. By the way, thank you. I could use some more. Uh, We've used it in our spaghetti. I just thought I'd plug from the stage just in case it worked. Uh, And one day, I think what happened at our house was Elizabeth was eating one and walked outside and spit a seed. She didn't because she doesn't spit. But in my mind, this is what happened. She spit a seed and somehow, somehow, I can promise you we did not plant tomato seeds, but somehow... I look next to the pool fence, and this vine starts climbing. I'm like, that weed from hell, what is that? Because I spray him stuff. And the next thing you know, it sprouts a couple of tomatoes. I'm like, well, that's cool. I like this. That's kind of neat. Elizabeth, when did you plant that? I didn't plant nothing. What? I didn't plant it. What are you talking about? I said, well, you've got to. Well, just leave them alone. Just let them grow. That's what she said. Just leave them alone. Let them grow. They're good. They're good. I'm like, can't we buy these for like a, you know, a, do- a dollar for a dozen down at Food Lion? Just let them go. They're good. So here's what happens. As God is my, so it starts out just one little vine. It climbs up our fence. And before you know it, it's just like this, this, this vineyard, this vine of tomatoes has taken over our lives. And then I look, and, and our, our, we, our, our concrete area where our pool is, it's a 40-foot-long it's a pool. So if 10 feet on this side and 10 feet on the other where the concrete is, 60 foot on the other side of our fence, I look over there and say, what is that thing climbing up my fence over there? Elizabeth, she comes out, did you plant another? I didn't plant the first one, she says. No, I didn't plant the first one. Literally, the kid, Jacob, I think it was, or it probably was, yeah, it would make more sense for it to be Isaac said, I know what happened. A bird probably ate one and pooped on the other side and it grew over there. And before you know it, we've got tomatoes everywhere. So I'm walking last week. We've, I'm like, these are annoying little things because they taste good, but my God, they're, they're coming up everywhere. They're, they're taking over our property. Our property, now, in our front yard, we've got a little sidewalk, you know. And so I'm walking along the sidewalk last week, and I look down, and honest to God, if the seed of Satan hadn't somehow got into my grass and planted another tomato plant next to my sidewalk. I look at it like the devil is a lie. How did you get here? And I started to pluck it up, and the Lord spoke to me, leave it. And I think he wanted me to leave it in that moment as a reminder. Although I said, Lord, this is contingent. I'll leave it because I believe you said it, but it's going to have to, and, and you walk down my side. There's an, this, these things have taken over our house. If you want tomatoes, pretty much at any time in your life when, when they should be produced, don't you go to Food Line. Don't waste your time. Come to my house. Bring a bucket. You can have all you want. You can have all you want. You can't kill those suckers. I mean, it's ridiculous. You got, the only way to kill is to pluck it up. And what, what's your point? This is how the kingdom grows. First, a seed, completely hidden, unseen, and for, in some ways, it was, it's, it's, it's completely and utterly inconspicuous. And then what was inconspicuous becomes conspicuous, which is to say it's revealed. Yeah. It breaks through the barren ground of the earth, and it's revealed. And then once it's revealed, my God, there's no stopping it. It begins to grow and grow. And before you know it, you've got the kingdom of God is there. And it's grown over to here. And it's in your front yard where you didn't expect it. It's in your back yard. And this is the way the kingdom grows. Now I can spot that thing six and a half miles away with my bare eyes. I can smell it. I mean, God, you can smell tomatoes, but I feel, I literally feel like if there was a straight path from here to my house and not trees, I could see those demonic tomato plants that have overtaken my life. 
They're not demonic. There's nothing about my house that's demonic. I like to say that it's easy. But what's your point? This is exactly the way the kingdom grows. Have you ever bought a new car that nobody else had? You ever bought a new car? I bought my FJ Cruiser about 2016 or 17, whatever it was. And nobody in Safeway had an FJ Cruiser when I bought mine. In fact, mine was the only one Toyota ever made. Until I bought one, and then I noticed, well, there's another one. And there's one. And there's one. Man, everybody's trying to copy me. No, they're not copying me. They were always there, but I wasn't aware of it because it wasn't happening to me personally. That's the same way the kingdom works. When you begin to become aware of the growing kingdom within you, you're going to say, well, there's a manifestation of the kingdom there. And there's a manifestation of the kingdom there. And and that's the way the kingdom is reproduced. Our problem is not the kingdom isn't manifesting. Our problem is we ain't looking right. Remember when John, you've heard me say this before, but when the Lord gave it to me, it was so good, I just decided to keep on sharing it. When John was in Revelation, and and the Bible says, and I, John, heard a voice behind me. I think it's Revelation 5, or maybe it's 1-5, but you can read. I, John, heard a voice. And then he says this, and so I turned to see the voice, and being turned, I saw. Here's a pattern. I heard a voice, I turned to see the voice, and since I turned, which is to say I changed my perspective, I had, to, I had to shift something about what I was doing. I had to shift something about my position. You might be in a place in your life where you're not seeing a whole lot of kingdom manifestation. Maybe you should hear the voice that's yelling at you this morning and say, I hear it. I'm going to shift my perception, shift the way I look at things, and I'm going to see it the way God sees it. And John said, and because I turned or being turned, I saw the voice. This is the way the kingdom is to be manifested. And the reason that we're not seeing the manifestation of the kingdom is because we're not looking for it. God's God's unchanging purpose, which started in the Garden of Eden, is that we were created with a command to reign over all of creation. But our reign over God's creation is contingent on his reign over us. Good Lord. If I was Pentecostal right now, which I am, I might run these, these chairs in a minute. Our reign over creation, it it hinges on, or it's contingent upon, his reigning over us. Kingdom living means our perspective over time is changed to, not my will, but yours be done. Our desire is shaped to match that of Jesus. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We must be submitted to. But in the kingdom, we experience a redeemed version of what submission looks like. Do you, a re, we must be submitted, but in the new covenant, we have a, a new understanding of what submission looks like. Instead of submission, I like the word surrender. Think about it. Think about it. Instead of simply being forced into compliance to a ruler's command, submission activates a flow of the Spirit's power in and around us. You better not, this is, this is good stuff. You need to take this bag of groceries home and cook with it because it'll nourish you. It'll keep you going for a minute. Yeah. Kingdom fruit, the miraculous, the manifestation of righteousness and peace and joy grows on the tree of surrender. Yeah. I'll say it again. The kingdom fruit Not just the perception, but the reality of righteousness and peace and joy in me and through me, that fruit grows on the tree of surrender. 
We seem to see surrender as giving up, and indeed, that's exactly what kingdom life is. It is the exchange, our life for his, our will for his, our hopes, dreams, and desires for his. Ultimately, his desires become our desires. His will and our will become synonymous as we become like him. We become like him when we see him as he is. Someone might say, I, I think if I could see it, I would seek it. But we don't have a seeing problem. We have a looking problem. We don't have a seeking problem. We have a looking problem. Whatever you look for, you're going to find it. So let's just take this election and don't ask me what I think about it because that's none of your business. If you want to know, ask me after church. I'm not going to use this platform to push one side or the other. I don't care. You know I'm not going to do that mess. If you want to know, yes, did I vote? Absolutely. Do I think there are certain things that should be yeah I'd like to see it but I'm not president I'm not running for president here's what I am I'm an ambassador of the kingdom and what I care about is the constitution of not just the United States but the constitution of the new covenant that Jesus established when he preached the sermon on the mount in Matthew 5 6 and 7 and if it lines up with Matthew 5 6 and 7 I'm for it and I don't care if a d said it or r said it I'm for it because ultimately at the end of the day it matters what did Jay say you know what I'm saying (laughs) Carmen style who's in the house remember that JC. We used to go. Who else went to a Carmen concert? Man, there's days. That's, it's been so long, I used to be able to pick Matthew up when we went to those. <laughs> Man, those, those were, they had the big Muppets. And, well, not Muppets, but what do you call them? The big, you know, I, to me, they were Muppets. Those were the best days in the world. Like, man, Carmen. Those were fun. And we did the champion, and Mike and I did it, and Jake and, and Jacob did it. And I think Matthew and James Dehart did every single Carmen song that was ever known to man. Remember those days? We were, every time he came out with a new song, we were like, here we go. Here's another play. Satan, bite the dust. <laughs> You're laughing because you know it's true. It was. It was good stuff. Kingdom fruit, the miraculous, the righteous peace grows on the tree of surrender. There are many that say, I think if I could see it, I would seek it. We don't have a seeing problem. We have a looking problem. What we are looking for, we will see. What we look for and see, we will inevitably seek. Do we wake up in the morning expecting to see kingdom sightings? Or things that others may call coincidence? It's not coincidence. When we, look, we, when we look, we will see. The pattern is in Revelation. Here it is. It's John 1. I told you. I heard a voice behind me, so I turned to see the voice. And being turned, I saw. We see him as he is when we seek him as he is. When we seek, we find. And when we seek, we see. And when we see, we know. And when we know, we change. And when we change, we influence. And when we influence, we stimulate and cultivate change around us. That is the way the kingdom grows. Good God Almighty. I'm going to say it for you one more time because it's real good. When we see him as he is is when we seek him. And when we seek him, we will find him. And when we seek him, we will see him. And when we see him, we will know him. And when we know, we will change culture. And when we change, we will have influence. And when we have influence, we will stimulate and cultivate change in every area and arena of our lives. That is the growing kingdom. Discovering the kingdom is not just informational, but it's a lifelong adventure in transformation and revelation. 
There are some of you this morning that's going to take what I'm saying and you're going to amen the information. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's, you're going to amen the information and you'll get a 30-fold blessing. There are some of you that it's going to bring a revelation. You're going to say, oh, that makes sense. I see it. And a light will come on in your spirit and you'll receive a 60-fold. But some of you are going to grab onto this word and it's going to bring transformation. And that's a 100-fold return on the seed that's been sown in your hearts this morning. You're telling me it don't matter whether Biden or Trump or Jorgensen or whoever or whatever's in all. Jesus is still Lord? Yes. And you're telling me where I walk and where I go. The earth trembles because I, because, and it has to quake because I carry the spirit of God within me? Absolutely. And you're telling me nothing on the outside of me is more powerful than the anointing that is inside of me? Absolutely. And you're telling me that I walk and talk with the dominion of the, my God. Now I'm about to preach and I need to be teaching. You're telling me I walk with dominion and I talk with the authority of the very one that said and caused all things to be and took his fingertips and flung stars in the space and said, let there be light. And from within his bosom, light was not given, but it was born. Light was born from the bosom of God. When he spoke, let there be light. He didn't take some matter that was out there and make it light. It was something that always dwelled inside of him. And when he said, let there be light, it came up and was birthed out of his mouth. When you speak into the dark recesses of the world around you, the light that is within is manifest on the outside. And that is the way the kingdom works. It's like the bird that pooped the seed on the other side of my fence. It's amazing. God will even take things that are wasteful. You would think waste is whole, and he'll cause it to fertilize your next season. Don't worry if you're in a waste season. God said, I'll take the wasteful things in your life, and I'll make it fertilize the next thing in your life. Good God Almighty. You're looking at it wrong. You're perceiving it wrong. Your perspective is completely and utterly worldly, and it should be heavenly. Is that good? I heard you speaking. I'll take your amen over everybody else's in here. Not because I like her better, except that I like her better. You're the head and not the tail. You're the head and not the tail. A tail is dragged around and told where to go. A head leads the way. You're the head and not the tail. That doesn't just mean you're the front, not the back. That means you're not dragged around and carried around by culture and situation. And you're not dragged around by situation and influence. And this is my circumstance today, so if my circumstance goes this way, I go. No, I'm the head. The circumstance follows the way that I go. I dictate where I'm going to go. Because I'm the head. I'm not the tail. I'm above. I'm not beneath. I have a heavenly perspective. Remember when Jesus said, whatsoever things you will bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatsoever things you shall loose on earth. You've heard this said before, but it bears repeating again. Whatsoever things you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. How many people have honest to God said, I just bind and, you, and fill in your blank. And it didn't seem to happen. I'll throw my hand up because I'm not a hypocrite or a liar. None of you are either. <laughs> that sounded like I was. No, I've done that. I'm like, why ain't this working? Whatsoever things you bind on earth, we bound in heaven. Because if you, you really need to just look into a little bit of a word study. Cam, it's not whatever things you bind on earth should be bound in heaven. The rendering of the verb is, is actually this. Whatsoever things you bind on earth shall already have been bound in heaven. That's the tense of the verb. Whatsoever things you loose on earth shall already have been loosed in heaven. Which is to say, before you bind anything in this realm, you better have seen it bound in that realm. 
before you lose anything down here, we walk in, I lose. I bind, you know, I've literally heard him say, I bind money to my wallet. <laughs> it was cute, I guess. Whatever. I've, I've bound money to my wallet and opened it up. And ain't, ain't, I couldn't squeeze a George out of my life depended on it. I, I lose. I, did you see that? And Jesus said this. I don't do anything that I didn't see my father do. And I don't speak anything that I didn't hear my father say. I, I'm going to spend time alone with him enough to see with a heavenly vision. And I'm going to declare on the earth what's already reality in the heavens. And that's what gives it power. It's not just, this, remember, the, remember the, in the 80s and 90s, some of you came up. There was a song. The song was this. Well, name it and claim it in Jesus' name. Take it and receive it in Jesus' name. Reach out and take it. Put a name on it and you shall receive it. Or every need he will supply. Well, how do I remember this stuff? It's ridiculous. Put a name on your need and claim. And it was, it was, it was founded in half truth, but it wasn't whole truth. Because I can tell you what, I've named myself a new Range Rover, and I ain't driving one. In fact, my transmission, my truck ain't acting right. I'm a, I lose it in Jesus' name. <laughs> not, not, not from the truck itself. Don't let it fall on the way home. No. <laughs> I bind it in Jesus' name. <laughs> yeah, I've loosed, I bind myself to a Range Rover. I bind myself to all this other stuff. Well, it's nonsense. What do you see in the heavenly realm? Because it's what you see that you can declare in the earth and make happen. Almost done. No rebukes today. Tammy didn't come. No, Tammy always like, you better put that watch up. You better put that watch up. Love, Tammy. <laughs> Why y'all laughing? If she was here, she'd be like, How many people watch Full House? Come on now. You got it. Discovering the kingdom is not just information, but a lifelong adventure in revelation and transformation. The truth is we can never fully comprehend or capture the kingdom with words. That's why Jesus so often said the kingdom of God is like. Use metaphor. The kingdom of God is like. It can't be descri described directly because it's eternal and cosmic in scope. It's too much for us to understand in our humanity, and we'll spend eternity exploring it. Seeking the kingdom is Christ's invitation to a lifelong adventure. But God doesn't hide it from us, only for us, for discovery. If you can contain it or you can explain it, it probably ain't the kingdom. I'm going to finish up. I'm almost finished. God is intentional. Excuse me. And he is surrounding us or flanking us with kingdom sightings all the time. I want you to begin to look for them this week. They happen all around us, but often we just don't see them because we're not looking for them. But if we seek them, soon we will expect them. And when we expect them, we will give birth to them. God. If we seek them, then soon we'll begin to expect to see them, and when we expect to see them, we'll be giving birth to them, to kingdom sightings. Then we'll see and believe them and become aware of an alternate reality that isn't full of the same nightmares, failures, self-doubt, and all the other toxic feelings that entangle people who are unguarded by the kingdom. A lot of mouthful. We can look around and see the desire of men's hearts is to be part of something bigger than themselves. Look at the culture right now. 
It doesn't matter what side, if, if there are two sides, there are multiple sides, what side people have chosen. Everybody that chooses a side is wanting to be something, part of something that's bigger and that activates and causes change. That is admirable. In fact, I put back in the whole, this whole, good Lord, like five years ago, back in May. Was that five years ago, back in May? <laughs> Seems like May was at least five years ago. I, I just offended Adam. No, I'm just kidding. Five years ago, back in May, I said this. You remember when people were, uh, there were people that were protesting, no problem. There were people that were legitimately, and I said, these people, they're not fools. I said, these are kids that were given something to believe in. I'm not, I'm not, don't, please don't mishear me. I'm not, there's no excuse in any time for to throw a brick through a window and all the other stuff in the room. That's not what I'm saying. But think about this. Someone was able to manipulate the part of them that wanted to be a part of something bigger than they are. Everybody has that. And whether it's used for good or used for evil, it's a part of every one of us. Come back, come back. Don't leave me. Come back. I'm making a good point. Everybody is born innately with the desire to be a part of something that's bigger than themselves. Why? That's because the kingdom is within you, but you're also within the kingdom. And so what you're hoping to do is to, is to find a place where there can be a, a touching, a connection between what exists within me and what's going on around me. And as we live in expectation of that, and we look to see it, then, then, then we begin to expect. I mean, I mean, have you ever lived in a season where it just seemed like it, you saw this one, we would we'll just say God thing after another God thing after another God thing after another God thing. And the reality is, it wasn't that those things weren't happening before, you just weren't looking for them. But the more you choose to look for them, the more you see them. And then when you begin to live in a life of ex expectation, then everywhere you go, you don't just choose to see it there. If you happen not to see it, you manifest it because you are the kingdom. The kingdom is within you. Okay, I'm, I'm going to finish up. I like those steps, Jason. You're the man. Luke chapter 17. Jesus once was asked by Jewish religious leaders, when will God's kingdom realm come? And he responded, God's kingdom realm does not simply come by obeying principles or by waiting for signs. The kingdom is not discovered in one place or another, for God's kingdom realm is already expanding within you. That's good. The truth is we are all seeking something. First, it's inevitable. In fact, uh, we're seek seeking something first. It's inevitable. In fact, our lives reflect what we're seeking. If we've chosen something besides that which is, uh, which is terminally of value, it will show up in your life until in pursuit of the lesser we lose the greater. Don't miss this. This is really good stuff. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God. Now, that is a command, and the tense used here means it is to be continuous. We're commanded to always be seeking the kingdom of God. The safest thing you can do and say is, God, I give up. Forgive me for doing my alternate thing instead of doing your great thing. I want uh, to get you, I want to get in on your business and be a part of what you're doing. That's why Jesus said when his, he said to his mother, he said, what did you mean you didn't know where I was? Why are you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? He knew that, had that revelation at 12 years old. Here's what's crazy. Mary, who had had the angelic visit and had come and said, you're going to bear the Messiah, had gone and it took her three days to find the Jesus that she had lost. Did you know that? Mary and Joseph pack up their stuff, their luggage, and they forget the most important thing. It sounds like a mom I know that one time packed up a whole family and left a little baby in her car seat at the house screaming her head off. And that's why Holly, Holly has been loud ever since. Mama, you forgot me. How old was she? How old was she? A few months old. 
She was a few months, at least Mary left a 12-year-old. This woman right here left a baby laying. It's probably because she had a loudmouth one-and-a-half-year-old that wouldn't leave her alone. What was his name? It's Nancy's fault. The woman thou gave me made me do this. <laughs> Nancy, it's your fault. Holly's a loudmouth because of you. And her daughters have a double-fold portion of everything she got. If she were here, I'd tease with her. That's, I love my sister. I love all my sisters. She'd laugh and say, you're right, I, I do. The safest thing, I'm finishing, bless it. <laughs> the safest thing, Rebecca's like, hold my Coke. Did you say Holly was loud? <laughs> hold my Diet Pepsi. <laughs> God. <laughs> That's why God didn't give her daughters. <laughs> Can you imagine? Good Lord. <laughs> Where is she? <laughs> Look here. Oh, it's, it's, the, it's, the, it's the fire extinguisher. I thought Sean just threw his hand up. <laughs> In the kingdom, things often appear upside down because they're so countercultural and supernatural. You lose to gain. You die to live. You suffer to rule. You weaken to grow strong. Try to understand the kingdom is a mystery, but God is anxious, ain't the right word, but anxious to reveal it both to and through us. Once you seek it first, then all these things will be added to you. There are a thousand ways to get what you want, but you only get the ultimate what you need one way by seeking the ultimate everything, which is the king and his kingdom. You can live well, but you cannot live the best until you link with the rule of the mighty God who runs the universe. When the kingdom within you links with the kingdom around you. We can easily make this overly complex, but the kingdom is so simple it can be uh, defined in just two words. God rules. God rules. When we get stressed, God rules. When we're anxious, God rules. When we're fearful, look, the backslider came back in. <laughs> He's like, bro, I'm never coming back. I'm going to have you lay hands on me and prophesy here in a minute, Adam. So just hang tight. I like your prophecies on Facebook. We're going to see if they work in real life. When we get stressed, God rules. Anxious, God rules. Fearful, God rules. Or we just need to remember somebody's running this outfit who knows what, they, what he's doing. And here's more. He's trying to enlist us on the team to do things his way. Kingdom perspective, kingdom understanding. I'm finished. I'm finished. 11.58. I want you to, I know a lot of you are stressed because I felt it in the atmosphere. In fact, I felt it myself. I got into the shower, and it's as though the Lord spoke to me. Man, I, what, essentially, the, way, you know, the Lord talks to me the way that I would probably talk to my sons. Clown, what is wrong with you? This is the way my daddy talks to me. He liked to call me clown. I don't know. <laughs> she said, I wonder why. Says the woman who left a two-month-old laying on a bed. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, you missed the whole story, bro. Get the tape. It's bad. She left a baby in the house by itself. This is my mama. This is my mama. We need a change of perspective. Barbie, you're going to give birth to what you expect. No woman gave a birth that wasn't first expecting. You need to expect to see God sightings. We need to know, first of all, is he in control? Uh, he, well, he's sovereign, but the, the reality is he gave Adam, he gave mankind dominion, so maybe we're the ones dropping the ball. Maybe instead of blaming God, why do bad things happen to good people? The Lord would say, why are bad people doing the, not doing good, you know, the right things? We need to take some responsibility. 
We're a lot, that's okay. We're a lot more powerful than we think we are. This week, here's what I want. I felt it. I felt it. I was, this is what I was getting to. When I got in the shower, I was that the Lord said, hey, what are, you, what are you all somber about? I'm in a great mood. Not that he's moody, but the Lord has to speak to me in my language. You ever seen? It's funny. I did it. When I had little kids, you know, I'd have Jacob. You sound like an idiot. But no, you don't care because you're not, you don't care about what anybody else thinks. You're trying to communicate with this child. And this morning through uh, Stony Point Redneck, the Lord is essentially going, you're like, this sounds like foolishness. It is foolishness, but God takes the foolishness to confound the wise. He's trying to teach you something. He's perfectly fine with talking to you in baby talk so that you would begin to see the kingdom. Tandon, you want to see the kingdom? Look for it. And when you see it, then it manifests from within you. And before you know it, everywhere you walk, you're releasing droplets of the glory of God. Every place you walk. It, it, you carry the dew of his presence everywhere you walk. And before you know it, people are like, man, this is cool. This guy's really great. No, I'm not great. I'm a son just like you're a son. You just don't know it yet. You, you're, you're a part of the kingdom. Just your candle hadn't been lit yet. So since I'm a glory bearer, I'm going to light your candle. Yeah. It's the way it works. So if you came in all upset or you came in exuberant, I want you to leave here with full of joy. Wait a minute, you're telling me that we're supposed to live an adventurously expectant life? That's what Eugene Peterson said in his message, his translation of Romans chapter 8. This exuberantly expectant life. Papa, what's today? Just like saw you when he came up and popped the suspenders. That's the life we're supposed to live. Hey, Papa, what's up? What's, what are we doing today? I, what, what, what about this? Wake up and say, hey, hey, was it Clarice? Who are we going to heal today, Lord? Who do we get to find today that's, that's in bondage, Lord? Who do we get to bring restoration to? Because the, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me for this reason, because He's anointed me for what? The same thing He anointed Jesus for, to preach the gospel to the poor, to bind up the broken heart, to open the blinded eyes, to set captives free. The anointing on you is for the same reason the anointing was on Jesus. So go do it. This is kingdom living. Amen. Let's all stand up. Let's all stand up. And let's do some... Holy Ghost jumping jacks. Just kidding. I actually have heard a preacher say that before, and I never, never went back to hear him again. Holy Ghost jumping jacks? Help me out, Eli. You know why that guy never got invited back? Remember the ladies used to have the hair about this high above their head? The real holy ones? That one lady did jumping jacks. I can't remember her name. And her hair fell. And the service went to hell. Is a horrible thing. It's okay to laugh in church. <laughs> Why is everybody so uptight? It's all right. It's okay. God's not uptight. He's good and he's in a good mood. And I promise you, he wants you to see things the way he sees them. Hey, who's in charge here? Who's got all dominion? Look, look at my hand. I have these keys. One of them's called death, and the other one's called hell. And nobody else is going to take these keys out of my hand. We're good. Rejoice. Rejoice in what I did at the cross. Rejoice. Rejoice that you're a citizen of a kingdom. Rejoice that you're the citizen of a new covenant. Rejoice that, he, that I'm always good. Rejoice. I, I'd love for somebody to run out of here, just run like, man. I feel good. I feel like God wanted to bless me today. I feel like God's for me. He's not against me. I'm going to expect to see the goodness of God. Everywhere I go, I'm going to see kingdom sightings. <clears throat> Dear Father, to the best of my ability, I have given baby talk this morning 
And I believe that someone in here has heard something that has been spoken that has come from my mouth, but that's come from your heart that says, hey, I got hope. There's hope. I believe that someone in here is going to wake up in the morning with an exuberant expectation for a kingdom sighting. I pray, Father, this morning that the blinders that have been over our eyes, Lord, because we've spent so much time giving our mind over to social media and to news corporations, Father, that, that those blinders will fall off and we will begin to see, wait a minute, wait a minute, the kingdom's going to start in me. The manifestation of goodness starts in me. It, it, you love me. You care about me. And the kingdom of God is within me. And I have the right and the responsibility to release the goods of the kingdom to society. Those blinders are falling off. Lord. I can feel it. I can, I can feel it. This morning, someone's heart is being overwhelmed with joy. Someone that came in is being given this morning beauty for ashes. Someone that came in in brokenness, the Lord is binding up your heart. Someone that came in this morning with sickness, the Lord speaks to you to be healed and not just healed but whole. Someone that came in this morning just desiring for a broken relationship to be mended, the Lord says it's mended. All of the things that are a part of the broken world and the, and, the, and the covenant of darkness and the covenant of curse is broken off your life. Walk into life. Walk into the newness of life. Walk into the new covenant where all things are done. Lord, we receive your fullness. We receive your gift of salvation and your gift of righteousness and your gift of peace and your gift of joy. We receive that into ourselves. We receive it in, a, in, a, in our cups that are so overflowing that where we go, we will also exude joy and we will exude peace and we will exude righteousness and we will give that off. The aura and the smell of the kingdom which was and which is and which is to come, it goes where we go and we leave droplets of it everywhere that we walk. Let us walk and move with the dew of heaven. Give us, as it were, the days of heaven on earth. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, God bless you.